Hello, and welcome to episode 55 of the Coin Press Podcast. I'm Luke Willis, and it is good to be back because today I am joined by John Rice, the founder of the Coinos Federation. Welcome, John. Good morning, Luke. Thanks for having me. Good morning. It is great to have you. Uh, yeah, so for anybody who hasn't been paying attention in the past weeks, uh, John has gone to great lengths to uh, set up this Coinos Federation, uh, which we'll get into a lot more detail about what that is, uh, how it differs from the traditional centralized foundations that other blockchains have, and uh, and why we're doing that. But before we go down that road, I wanted to ask you, John, uh, a little bit more about your background, because you have experience as editor-in-chief of a number of uh, crypto publications. Um, can you tell us more about your experience and Really, like, what led you to to this point of uh, starting a federation, which seems like kind of a, a deviation from that path you've been on? Yeah, well, I mean, deviating from the path is pretty much the path, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> right. Uh, I started off in uh, in advertising. Um, sure. That was that, actually that's not entirely true. I started off as a journalist, um, and I, I actually thought I had my dream job. I was a music journalist, pretty much straight out of college. Hmm. Uh, and I, I kind of wandered around the UK following uh, electronic um, outfits like Underworld and uh, like uh, The Prodigy and all, all kinds of people like that um, and, and writing about that, which was astoundingly fun, um, ridiculously underpaid, as you can imagine. It was essentially an intern <laughs> kind yeah. of salary. Uh, so I went off and became an advertising copywriter, and then I moved into uh, creative direction, and I was running an agency by the time I was 23. Um, and uh, I had some wonderful clients, uh, people like Rolls-Royce Motorcars, um, Pizza Hut, Guinness, uh, Jaguar, a uh, whole bunch of really cool clients that I got to do business with in my, in my 20s. Uh, when I moved to the U.S. in, um, in 2000, um, I kind of moved a little bit more into marketing sure. and, and spent kind of the next six or seven years in marketing before finally kind of finding what I consider to be a niche that I really enjoyed, which was in um, publishing and media. Mm. So I went back to being a, a journalist, but also a publisher and an editor. And I, uh, I had a local outfit in Colorado for a while before founding Crypto Briefing in 2017. Um, so, yeah, the, the, uh, the, the, Experience has all led up to, I think, um, lots of startup type um, kind of skills. You know, I, I, I've owned a web development agency, done lots of, as I say, marketing, advertising, uh, writing, and all of those skills kind of come together whenever you're trying to build some kind of community around around any kind of message. Uh, right. And that's where the Coinos Federation, I think, really, really is going to is going to take off. Hopefully, is through all of us who are involved in this in this project. Um, centralizing to some degree our messaging. I, I guess coordinating is probably a better word than centralizing, but coordinating our messaging and and out you know on our outreach to the to the crypto community at large to advocate for the benefits of the Coinos blockchain. But that's just a little bit about about the background, I guess. No, that's good. That's good. Um, yeah, it's just it's interesting because at first glance it seems like uh, that you know, that resume of, of having been editor in chief of, you know, crypto briefing, Cointelegraph and Blockworks, that 
to me, it seems like very much finger on the pulse of the world of crypto, right? You're, you're looking at everything in as objective a lens as you can. You're trying to uh, not pick favorites and uh, say things and, you know, keep your journalistic integrity and all that. And now with the Federation, you're, you're, you've, <laughs> you've separated from that. And you're saying, I actually believe in Coinos and I believe in uh, this vision of, of crypto. So, what? How did you get there? Why did you choose Coinos, and uh, and how did that lead to the Federation as your project? So there's an alignment in values, I think, between what Coinos stands for and what I went into media to do. What I went into crypto media to do specifically. So I'm I'm going to answer this in a I'm going to go back a few years sure. and why why did I bother in the first place co-founding Crypto Briefing mm-hmm. and. The reason was because at the time, I was very, uh, very seriously considering going into politics because without any knowledge of crypto, you know, particularly, I, I would algorithms and centralized power were clearly bad for humanity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and when I say bad for humanity, you have to remember at the time I have two teenage stepkids at home um, and I'm watching as these kids are spending all of their time on social media, Instagram, TikTok, um, and, uh, and so on. And their, their, their health, their, their health, their mental health, their educational health, the way they look at the world is all being shaped by their experience with these social media algorithms and specifically with extremely tiny, narrow pockets of people who control those algorithms, mm-hmm. and we were kind of, you know, the, the the big two. I mean, I know, I know, I know, Musk came later to Twitter, but Zuckerberg has always had that control over Facebook. Right. Um, we don't really know much about the other algorithmic control. Who who controls the algorithm for TikTok? But kids are spending their life being mm-hmm. exposed to algorithms that someone is in charge of, and it's clearly not healthy. So so when I kind of found out about crypto and uh, started putting the pieces together a little bit about what, um, you know, decentralization really meant, it became clear that rather than try and go into politics, I could use my media experience to try and advocate for the sort of decentralized systems that uh, I think were really somewhat more predominant uh, six or seven years ago. You know, Ethereum was still pretty new, uh, Bitcoin wasn't just the, the the big kid on the block. Bitcoin was still very much an idealistic um, and and not not completely financialized asset mm-hmm. at that point. So so I kind of got into crypto for uh, for for the for reasons behind de- decentralization, and I thought that in media I could help to advocate for these technologies and these philosophies. And and as the last six years have progressed, what has happened is crypto has become more and more financialized to the point that um, projects that now launch, um, and, I, and I count most layer one blockchains that have launched over the last three to four years, seem to be launched instead of with altruistic or egalitarian kind of uh, philosophies behind them. They seem to be iterative versions of a financialization um, that began, I think, with the Ethereum ICO and mm-hmm. has gotten progressively more greedy 
Um, venture capitalists, and I have nothing against venture capital, and, by, and nothing I'm saying here should in any way suggest that I'm an anti-capitalist. But I think there's a version of capitalism whereby the results are a foregone conclusion. Yeah. And that, to me, is, is the antithesis of what capitalism really stands for. And especially venture capital. Venture capital is an educated bet. And I wrote about this in my kind of initial essay for the Federation's existence. Venture capital is supposed to be, you are the great poker player at the table. You know, you have your researchers and you have your experience and you have your network and you have access. You have all of these wonderful things which should give you an edge over the average investor. But it in no way should be a guarantee that you're able to multiply your investment by 100x. It should always be an educated bet. Well, that has changed with crypto. And I think this is one of the reasons that the SEC and Gary Gensler are so anti-crypto. They've seen what's happened with these layer one blockchains is that they have become guarantees of multiple returns because the investors also set the price, they set the market making, and they basically, they, they, and then they dump on retail. Right, right. So, so over the last six years, I'm sorry this is a long-winded answer, but no, no. But over the last six years, I've seen that become more and more commonplace to the point where what, what's to advocate for, for in crypto anymore in media? Mm. You know, do I even have, is, is there something I'm trying to fight against when I'm starting to believe that the crypto mainstream media narrative is becoming true? That all yeah. the things they say about crypto are actually now pretty much true. I don't think they were six years ago. But if they are now, then then that's not a fight that I think we can win. So, so the reason I'm with the Coinos Federation um, to get to your point eventually, yeah, that's all right, <laughs> is because the values align. Coinos is decentralized. It was fair launched. There is no guarantee of its success. There is nobody out there saying, right, I'm going to make a hundred x off my investment because it's a foregone conclusion. It's a group of people who have gotten together to to build something that has uh, has has good ethics behind it. Hmm. And I didn't find I didn't find enough projects that I could really get behind in the space um, and and that I can have an input to. And and so I decided when I when I when I finally left media, Coinos makes most sense. It's it's either that or the politics and politics has become a cesspool. <laughs> <laughs> that idea. <laughs> okay. Um Cool. Well, I mean, that's a glowing review, in my opinion. I, I feel like uh, I, I'm here for a lot of the same reasons, right? The the, the very concept of decentralization and um, the way Quinos did it with the fair launch and just the promise and, and the ethicality of uh the approach to me is top notch. And every time I look around and, and see other projects that tick a lot of the same boxes in terms of usability, uh, in terms of, um, you know, creating experiences that are focused on the users and the developers, there's always something wrong. <laughs> and it, it's hard to get behind uh, the vision of a chain that that is you know fundamentally flawed in very specific ways yeah and i, and I think i mean uh, it's very easy to focus on these values right but the values themselves aren't exactly a selling point and this did come up in my in my conversation with andrew just a couple of couple of weeks ago it's really interesting to me that even though coinos it, it would seem you know is unique simply because of its decentralized uh, value proposition there's also the fact that technically 
it answers a whole bunch of questions that none of these other iterative layer ones actually answer. Hmm. So to me, one of the biggest problems, and, and again, you're, you're right, you, you see this very objectively in media when you receive countless pitches, you know, and those pitches all say the same thing. We're going to bring this to, to the masses. We're going to onboard the next billion users. You right. know, we, we're techno-optimists, if you want to quote Mark Andreessen. Yeah. You know, well, that's all bullshit. And it's bullshit for the very simple reason that the masses will not go through the crypto onboarding hoops that have made this a the, the worst technology in terms of user experience that's ever been hawked to to a, a mass audience. Yeah. You know, we we the crypto community keep saying, "Hey, look, look what we can do. We can we can help to decentralize this. We can create web three. We can give you ownership of your social media. We can help you own your digital identity and all this." But in order to do that, you're going to have to create 4,000 accounts. You're going to have to connect your wallet through MetaMask. You're going to have to, you're going to have to expose yourself to scams and, and and hacks and exploits, and you're going to have to become an expert in cyber cybersecurity. And and it's just awful that experience. Yeah. And and here we are. I think in, at, at this point in time, I don't believe it anymore. Mm. Unless something like Coinos, and I, maybe it won't be Coinos. Maybe sure. it will be somebody else who takes the same approach. If somebody can make this frictionless, free, and familiar, they will win. Mm-hmm. And maybe somewhere out there, there's a venture capitalist right now listening to this and saying, huh, well, that, that makes some sense. Let me go and game that so that they're to my advantage. And in two years, we'll see one of those chains launch, and it will, it will make some venture capitalists sure. rich. Yeah. Or maybe, maybe we get there with Coinos. Maybe we actually do this because... The, the value proposition of Coinos being feeless, being, uh, being a chain that allows you to access the use of that chain without having to create accounts and go buy a token on an exchange and so on and so forth, that is a huge value proposition in and of itself. So that, that's the, this kind of second half of, of wanting to be part of the Coinos ecosystem. It's not just that it reflects my values. You know, mm-hmm. I'm a marketer at heart. I, I want to market a product that I think is good. Right. Uh, you know, uh, when, when you've marketed Rolls Royce, it's really hard to go market, <laughs> you know, Renault or or Yugo. Right. You, you you'll find a value proposition, but it's always going to be fairly straightforward. It's cheap. Yeah. Um, and I and I really struggle for to figure out how these uh, these layer ones and I, I I keep naming some of them like Aptos and Sui and you know to some degree even Base. You know, they're, they're very iterative. They're just like, hey, let's lower the fees just a little bit. You know, let's lower yep. the fees just a little bit. Um, and, and what is the value proposition besides this is ever so slightly, an ever so slightly better mousetrap? Yeah. Um, you know, what 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 makes people jump from Ethereum to Aptos at this point? And I, I can't think of a single thing. Hmm. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, that's, I, I think it's interesting and it all ties back to your your point that I think, uh, you know, Coinos is not a foregone conclusion, right? Where uh, when you have a chain that launches in a centralized manner and has a bunch of tokens that can be dumped on retail, uh, it, it is a foregone conclusion of what's going to happen, right? That token allocation has divined the future for that chain. Mm-hmm. Where when you have a launch like Coinos had and... Uh, a, a design that is not just you know an iterative step up from from the current state of things, but is intended to be a radical deviation from that 
that current uh, model of what crypto is. You have a really interesting uh, situation that, I mean, for all of us that are here and, and actively working on Coinos, we're super excited about that vision and, and we want to see it succeed. But yeah, it, it's not. <laughs> there, are, there are no guarantees, right? This is all uncharted territory. So we're, we're doing our best. But for you, you, you came in and said, what's the thing that I can do best to help Coinos and, and see it be successful um, as much as within my power? And you said, start a federation, right? So I'm just curious why, I mean, obviously you have your marketing background, your, your, your writing, your editor background, journalism, all that. And I think that that all tails well into the federation, but I'm curious how you landed on that specifically, because there's any number of things that you could have done, right? So, so why the federation? I think the, uh, again, it kind of comes back to a philosophical approach. You know, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a techno-anarchist. I'm not a, I'm not a libertarian. Sure. Um, I'm not one of those crazy people who thinks taxes are evil or that the social contract is irrelevant in a, you know, in a nation state uh, or, you know, one, I'm, I'm not one of those kind of folks who, who just thinks that everything should get thrown out for, for the sake of decentralization. Yeah. Um, what I do think is that there is a kind of a, some, a, a somewhat sensible path towards more agency for more people. Mm. Um, and I think that's where the, the kind of version of centralized capitalism that we see in crypto today is the complete opposite of where crypto started. You know, started as a completely decentralized reaction to the financialization of markets in 2008, the meltdown. You know, it's literally the polar opposite today. If you look at what's happened in the markets just over the last couple of days, everyone's super excited because BlackRock is getting a Bitcoin ETF. And I can't think of anything more antithetical to the original value of Bitcoin people being excited because the world's largest asset manager gets to do exactly what it wants thanks to you know its friends on Wall Street or in the SEC. Right. Um, yeah. So there is a middle path. You know, generally and, and maybe it's just a function of my age. I'm I'm an old bastard at this point. I'm, I'm <laughs> which is about 300 in crypto years. Um, but you know as you get older, and you genuinely realize that the path towards success is usually a little bit further down the middle than people realize. Right. It's not all the way left. It's not all the way right. It's not all the way anarchist. It's not all the way you know centralized capitalist. It's there's this nice little middle ground, and we're calling that pragmatic decentralization. Yeah. And and that's where I think you you acknowledge the reality that within a decentralized system. You have to have people who are willing to step up and to coordinate efforts so that the so that shit gets done. Because otherwise, you just end up with you know five thousand people all sitting around waiting for somebody to do something, and if they can't achieve some kind of you know glorified consensus between them, nothing ever happens. Right. Now, one of the things that I'm very I, I admire greatly about the Ethereum ecosystem is that it is decentralized for the most part. I mean, forget the infrastructure on which it runs. Sure. But for the most part, it's a, it's a properly decentralized network. But you can see both a strength and a weakness there. The weakness is very, very hard to implement governance proposals. It's hard to get stuff done. It takes them three years to go from proof of work to proof of, or five years to get from proof of work to proof of stake. 
Um, so, you know, I, I, I like the idea that within a decentralized system, some people are willing to stand up and say, I will be a community leader. I will, um, you know, I'll, I'll volunteer my time. By the way, you know, Coinless Federation is an entirely volunteer organization. Right. Nobody gets paid. Nobody gets tokens. Nobody gets anything out of that except, you know, the, the satisfaction that what they're doing is, is of some value. Sure. So, um, so yeah, with, with any luck, the Federation is going to be um, a, a kind of, it's going to capture that idea that the center path is good. We don't need to be completely decentralized. We don't need to be completely centralized. There is a, a middle a middle ground. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, I think it's interesting that it's a volunteer organization, right? Because I'm reminded of um, ancient Greece, right? Where you have the the system of appointing leaders that are uh, part of the council then, and, and it's not uh, the way we have in the U.S. today of people being elected and then either office forever or just make a lot of money in whatever time they are in office, right? So having the the politics of the Coinos blockchain be uh, a not-for-profit <laughs> volunteer role uh, removes a lot of the incentive for people to be politicians in this space, um, which personally I really like. I think that if countries in general could have more of that and less career politicians, it would be beneficial. Um, so in terms of what the, the Federation is going to do with this, uh, this goal, right. Um, of pragmatic decentralization, what's really the, uh, the charter here with, uh, with the Federation being started and, um, you know, trying to do so much. There's there's so many things that can be done. What's the what's the goal for let's say the first year for the Federation? Where are we going? I think the first thing is to tackle the reality of the um industry in which we operate. Mm -hmm. And the reality is that we we're a competitor um as a layer one blockchain, a general use layer one blockchain to countless other layer ones that may not have exactly the same technical specifications, may not be as decentralized, may be more decentralized because, you know, we don't have that many people in the ecosystem right now. So there's always going to be a degree of centralization when there's few people there. So I think that the, the realities um, of the market are, um, number one, people have access, developers have to have access to the token that powers the economy if they are going to develop on this ecosystem. And if the token is too expensive or hard to find, uh, isn't, doesn't, isn't available to them easily, doesn't have liquidity, if they need to enter or exit position, then literally they will go elsewhere because that's something that other chains offer much, much, much more freely than Coinos does right now. Mm -hmm. So I think we have to address the accessibility of the, the blockchain and mm -hmm. accessibility means, you know, to some degree, it means ex exchanges, it means market makers, it means uh, getting the, the, the token into the hands of many, many, many more people, mm -hmm. which improves liquidity, which improves, and again, none of this is about price. I'm not interested in talking about price. Right. I'm talking about literally having more decentralization through more people owning the token and having a, uh, a say or uh, an interest in the ecosystem. Right. So... And that comes about through liquidity. So 
that, that's a big challenge, I think, for the Federation in the short term. And you have to remember also that one of the reasons for the Federation's existence is because the Coinos group, the guys who actually built the Coinos blockchain, are a private company headquartered in the United States of America, which is not the most friendly country when it comes to crypto regulation and clarity. Yep. Uh, so for these guys to be coordinating that kind of activity as the architects of the blockchain would essentially be satisfying most of the tenets of the Howey test, which I'm sure mm -hmm. you're familiar with, yep. um, if, and, and putting them at legal risk. They have always said, we want to decentralize this, we're building it for free, we're not taking any tokens. So, you know, again, to, to my mind, the reward for that should be, then you shouldn't have to put yourselves at legal risk by, by promoting your own blockchain. Somebody else should stand up and do the rest of that work. Yeah. And that's precisely what we're, we're trying to do at the Federation, like help de-risk uh, the, the entire um, blockchain, get, get rid of that legal risk for the, for the Coinos group and the folks who, who volunteered their time, their efforts to build something that they thought was worth building. For sure. So, so there's a couple of things that I think are really important. But, but beyond that, there's there's things like supporting developers. You know, um, the the Coinos Group when they were, or before they were the Coinos Group, when they were actually building this blockchain, they they said they were developer obsessed, um, which I think is a is a terrific way to look at, at how to build an ecosystem. If you're a developer, you want something that's familiar, that's easy to use. That has uh, that that's risk uh, at least de-risked to the nth degree. Mm -hmm. uh, you don't want to have to go out and, and spend a year of your time learning Solidity or Haskell or whatever other language it is that you know some of these uh, blockchains require you to to understand, um, and then find that your app doesn't have the the kind of market uh, penetration or or interest that you thought it might have. You know, I, I would much rather people build. In, the, in, in a way that was scalable and, and, and enabled rapid, rapid development so that they can iterate quickly, pivot quickly if they're not finding market fit or product market fit. And that's kind of, uh, again, something I think Coinos really allows for. So I want the Coinos Federation to be significantly focused on increasing developer activity, uh, providing resources to developers in the, in the form of you know, maybe it's code snippets. Maybe it's it's in terms of, you know, a, a dozen or twenty or fifty developers all contributing one piece of code to a social media network, and sure. then other people developing on top of that. That again requires coordination, and that's something I, I want the federation to focus on too. Cool. And then marketing. <laughs> everybody, everybody wants me to focus on marketing. Everyone's like, yeah. when, when marketing? When move? Yeah. Uh, and you just, okay, well, I, I know that marketing is, is crucial. Obviously, with my background, it's not exactly, but I'm unfamiliar with that idea. Right. It's simply that I think that you, you market, when you go to market, you, you market something that has a coherent message, that has a coherent product, that has, uh, that, that has a message that resonates. You know, right right now, for example, you know, we we, we talked to a, or, or I know somebody who talked to a AAA gaming uh, company that was interested in building on on Coinos, and they're you know, but what they really wanted to know was, okay, if we want to do this many transactions um, on coin on the Coinos blockchain over this period of time, uh, how many coin are we likely to need in order to generate the amount of mana that's needed to support our users? And it turned out to be a really mammoth amount of coin. Yeah. Simply because this particular, uh, I think this particular gaming company hadn't really thought through 
how many interactions they were really going to require with the blockchain and had probably overestimated by at least a couple of orders of magnitude. Sure. So at that point, you say, okay, well, maybe right now, Cognos isn't quite ready for a AAA gaming company. Yeah. We're ready to do a million transactions on the blockchain every day. And that's okay. We can yeah. start with 10,000. We can start with somebody who, who you know, wants 50,000 daily active users doing one transaction each. Sure. And that's very, very manageable and scalable. But again, if you kind of go out to, uh, with, to the market without a coherent narrative, if you go out and say, hey, AAA gamers, come and work on blockchain, uh, on, on blockchain with Coinos. And then you say, but by the way, it's not going to really work out in terms of the economies of scale you're talking about. You right. just look silly and, and, you, and you put people off for life. Right. So, I, I, so, so the marketing is, it has to be carefully thought out as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I feel like we've we've talked a lot within the community about like what is the scaling solution for games and, and various apps that want to go bigger, right? Than than Quantus can currently support. And um personally I feel like the the answer is probably some kind of Coinos powered um DAP specific sidechain system, but I it can be really whatever you want it to be, right? So it it's really in terms of accessibility for these larger players and smaller players, it's having good tooling, it's having good uh, documentation, it's having clear paths to onboard developers and easy ways to get a hold of tokens and mana for your users. But then when you grow to a point where Coinos mainnet can no longer support you, how does Coinos get out of your way so you can continue to be successful, Right. So we need to have at least a defined path so that people who are concerned about that can look ahead and see, oh, okay, they have a plan for me. <laughs> so whether, yeah, right? right, right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's where, I mean, you know, again, thinking about the, the difference between one private company leading the blockchain and an entire community leading the blockchain, my, my question becomes, well, can the community rally around the idea that smaller you know, solopreneurs or small entrepreneurial companies are the initial target audience for the Coinos blockchain? Mm -hmm. Or should we immediately be saying, hey, what we really want is these, you know, these millions of transactions per day, in which case we need to create some kind of roadmap as a, as a community to achieve or to design, uh, build and maintain that kind of level of scalability. Right. But, it, but that can't happen unless somebody steps up and said, well, okay, Let's try and figure out exactly what the what the value proposition is, and move towards that. And that again, I think, is just why you need a federation. Um, yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. No, it's good. Um, it's interesting thinking about this this model of what is the federation for. Um, it, it's very much like in our early days here it's very much the uh kind of the external facing role of government right we're, <laughs> we're looking at the other countries around us and the individuals in the world and trying to work on you know our, our immigration policy and our uh, right. foreign war policy or you know whatever it is right and we're focusing on the outside world more so than our existing citizens um and i think that that's correct because when you look at coinos in its current state uh, it's well-formed enough that the people who are here are excited, able to build, able to use the chain, 
but there's still a lot that can be done for those people. And so we, and part of that is creating the experiences that will also benefit people coming from the outside. So there is need within the Federation. I assume that you're, you'd be on board with this as well to do things for the chain that are a little bit more internal facing and looking at, um, whether that's, you know, client diversity uh, or um, just good tooling for developers and that kind of thing. Um, there's, there's a balance of kind of this internal policy and external policy where right now we're really more focused on uh, the external. Would you agree with that or? To, to some degree. I sure. think that the, where I would disagree is in the, found, the foundational um, issues such as the charter, writing up the charter, yeah. um, soliciting community input. That's all very in, internal facing, I think. Sure. Yep. I think we've had to, um, to to look to the community for leadership, for ideas, for critiques of these uh, these coordinated efforts. And that's why you know these documents, like the uh, the original essay about you know, why why the, why the federation, why does it exist, what is the point? That was opened up to the community for comment. The Federation Charter is in its third iteration right now, um, before even being a, uh, voted on or ratified by the Council. Um, and, and those are the kind of internal-facing things that I think everybody who, who's an early adopter gets a little bit more say in the matter. You know, maybe just a little bit down the line, your, your voice isn't, isn't quite as, as powerful in terms of dictating what the Charter might look like because the charter itself has a process laid out for how to amend the charter going forward. Um, so, so I did, I did think it was really important to look to the community for, for input advice, ideas, and, and comment on, on those documents. And certainly in the first year of the Federation, and this, this is actually a really important thing to me because the Federation has been appointed in its first year. Um, I, I really wanted to, to find people who, had the right blend of skills, the right commitment to the Coinos blockchain, who had exhibited that commitment over a sustained period of time, um, and people who represented diverse viewpoints, haven't completely su succeeded in, in that. There are no females on the Federation Council, which I think is a travesty, yeah. but it's also incredibly hard because I do, I'm not the kind of person who likes to ass assign quotas. Right. I, I appoint people for positions like this based on their skills, experience, knowledge. And if there wasn't a qualified candidate who was female, that was really, really hard for me to deal with and to accept. But it's also a truism. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we are underrepresented in, in many ways within the, the community right now in terms of diversity. Right. Uh, but but that uh, the appointment of these, of these folks has been critical because without without the kind of commitment that you can see and prove, the Coinos Federation won't move forward. In its second year, it will be an elected body. Every position will be up for election in the second year. But in the first year, I think it was really important to find people who were going to commit to it. Mm. So, so that, that's, where, that's where this kind of uh, internalization again has been, really, has been really tough. You know, trying yeah. to identify members of the community who aren't, aren't just focused on one thing, aren't just focused on their, their personal interests, aren't just focused on their own project even, but who are willing to donate their time, their commitment, their enthusiasm, their energy, and their talent to something that's a bit bigger than themselves. And there were many, many other candidates. For sure, yeah.
Yeah, there were a ton of nominations coming in when you when you put out the call, but um, I think that you you landed on a good group of people. Um, I mean, I've I've interviewed everybody now from the council uh, for the podcast, so uh, I've at least met them. <laughs> um, and yeah, everybody on the council um, from. Michael and Andrew from the Quinos group. Uh, we've got Justin from collection, uh, Julian from Condor and, and everything else he's worked on. Um, Eric Saberski, yourself and me, I, I feel like there's a very diverse skill set and, um, diverse perspective. Cause I've had a few different meetings with these people and, and heard them discuss things and, and approach things from very different angles. So, it, it is a shame that that there aren't qualified women within the community right now, and I agree with that. But uh, at least in terms of the the perspective in the first year, I, I believe you've pretty much nailed it from from that angle of diversity. So I applaud you for that at least. Well, thanks. Yeah, I, I very much hope that I'm reading this correctly. But um, one of the things that was really important to me as well was not to to appoint people to this uh, to this council who all had the same ideas. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I've seen uh, Julian and, and Michael fight over yep. the technical implementations. I've seen Andrew and Michael fight over commercial implementations. Um, I suspect that you and I will occasionally disagree over how to communicate things. You know, sure. The whole point of the council was to have something that was, that where, where people felt comfortable advocating for their beliefs, their, uh, their own opinions, and uh, drawing on their own experience without fear or favor. You know, right. I didn't want people to, to just come in and be yes, men or women. And, I, and I, I really felt it was important that the council be able to debate in a lively but civilized fashion. Um, we, we will see how <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that initiative is yeah. uh, after a couple of meetings. But, but hopefully that's, uh, again, you know, part, part of this was, was looking beyond just the experience and the skill set and looking a little bit at the character of those folks, you know, how, how do they conduct themselves in, in, you know, discussions on discord and on telegram, you know, when someone disagrees with them, do they become defensive or do they, do they listen? Do they even have the, the you know, capability to change their mind? Um, yeah. God knows I've had to change my mind half a dozen times since I started the generation. Um, yeah. I'm currently enjoying the uh, spirited, discussion on logo implementation <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> in, the, uh, in the federation telegram channel um, yeah. which is t me forward slash tele uh, coinos federation by the way if anyone is interested um but uh, we can probably talk we should probably talk about the membership sure yeah let's do that so so in terms of membership anybody anywhere who has any interest in the Coinos uh, ecosystem whatsoever, whether they hold the token, whether they're a developer, whether they're uh, a promoter, an exchange, anybody whatsoever is welcome to join the Federation Telegram group. Um, at some point, I'm sure we'll have a Discord discussion as well. Um, and, and basically add their voice to the community. Um, everything that's written in that Telegram group is read. Um, no opinion is is bad or silly. There are no bad ideas. is is something that we we try very hard to uh, to foster that kind of in, environment in that Telegram group. Um, the the Coinos core is kind of the second level of membership. And although we haven't ratified the charter, I think I can kind of discuss fairly uh, freely that it's very likely that there will be certain qualifications 
for membership to the core. Mm-hmm. Um, qualifications may include some kind of, um, you know, a staking of coin in, in a burn pool. Um, they may they may in, involve uh, active development or some kind of commits to a GitHub repo. Um, there'll be various qualifications, but those people who are actually actively involved in the community um, will have the opportunity to join the core, which the primary kind of they will become eligible to elect officers to the federation in the future. So for that second year, anybody in, who is involved in the core will have a vote on who represents them in the in the second year of the uh, Coinos Federation's existence. And then there's the council, a, a group of seven um, community members whose primary role is to, uh, and I'll read this directly, to, to advocate for and maintain the health of the Coinos blockchain and ecosystem, to raise awareness of its unique benefits and to support developers building on Coinos. So that's yep. what the council is, is there to do. And among the uh, things it will be charged with are, uh, is probably the most important, spending money. Yep. If the Coinos Federation ever has any money for any reason, whether that be in the form of stable coins or native coin or fiat monies, the Federation, its uh, council, will be the kind of core body that's charged with making sure that those monies are dispersed in such a way that they that reflect the decentralization ethos of the Federation and the blockchain itself, and that are uh, that are fair, equitable, uh, reasonable, thoughtful prudent, and ideally, um, that actually serve the purpose that I just outlined, developing the ecosystem. So yeah. that's kind of one of the core uh, parts of being a, the, a council member on the, and the federation. Cool. Um, yeah, I, I think that the, uh, the, the, the effort that everybody on the, the council is going to be putting forward is, you know, it, it's not small, but I think that everybody who I've talked to uh, is highly committed uh and if they weren't members of the council they would certainly be members of core <laughs> right, right so uh yeah th- i think that what you're doing with the federation and, and where we're going with this with the council is uh is really exciting and i'm, I'm looking forward to continue reporting on uh you know our meetings and, and everything that that goes on within the council so that listeners of the the podcast and readers of the newsletter and uh every other channel that i'm sure will come up with uh, we'll uh, continue to be informed about the goings on of, of the council of, of the Federation and, and largely just of, of the blockchain. So all good fantastic. things. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, well, Luke, thanks a million for having me on. I really appreciate it. Um, time, you know, you, you come up with a, one of a communication channel that you think would be ideal for the Federation. Just let me know. Cause that sounds like, <laughs> the, you know, maybe, maybe we should broadcast the minutes or something like that at some point. Sure. No, absolutely. Um, the, there's a lot of a lot of opportunity there. I want to make sure people are informed and uh, have the opportunity to uh, hold us all accountable to the the interests of of the broader community. So, absolutely. Good well, things. All right, John. Well, really appreciate you coming on today. Uh, this was great. Uh, that is all the time we have. So, thank you very much for coming. See you next time. All right. Join me next week for the Coin Press podcast. Bye for now. <laughs>